Hello everyone, welcome. Uh, Drew Noel here, Head of uh, Professional Services at uh, MedKudu. Uh, welcoming you to our weekly series, Marketing Ops Confessions, uh, this week with uh, Colin White and Julie Bannon from Clearbit. Uh, very glad to have you both with me today. Excited to uh, have a conversation. And you are actually our first uh, ops marketing power duo. Uh, so, you know, uh, and, and I know we were making uh, some jokes about uh, uh, my, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite movie references being uh, in, in Good Company and, you know, talking about, you know, effectively synergy. Um, so uh, very, very synergy, cool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing this, we want to see this. So, <laughs> great. So thank you very much. Um, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, excited to uh, get into it. And um, no, I I think uh, just a, a couple of uh, housekeeping items before we get rolling. I uh, wanted to make sure that everybody knows to leverage the chat to uh, just talk, you know, generally amongst the group. Um, if you have a specific question. Uh, feel free to call that out in the questions tab so that we can identify it. Uh, we also have some polls running in the polls tab, so please feel free to respond to those. We would appreciate your feedback. Um, we definitely like to know who we're talking to and understand our audience, um, effectively the uh, mini ICP, if you will, for uh, this particular session. So uh, thanks for that. I uh, did want to call out that everybody is muted in terms of the uh, the attendees. So uh, we will be keeping an eye out for questions, uh, specifically, again, in that questions tab. So um, with that, I also wanted to uh, remind everyone that we uh, have the chance for you to win a DJI Mavic Mini. And uh, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for this, because I, I think I came up with the original idea to give away a, a drone. Um, the, the drone will not be this large, but um, still very useful. Great to mount a camera on, uh, you know, take pictures of your family, yourself, like doing all sorts of actions for it, et cetera, um, getting generally extreme. So uh, I highly, uh, highly recommend uh, making sure you stay as long as possible and get, uh, of course, uh, entered into the drawing for that. So thanks a lot. Uh, so again, uh, Julie, Colin, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and as we were sort of preparing for today's session, uh, we, we were having some conversations about, you know, marketing ops confessions, uh, overall. And that led to sort of a, an interesting point of confession, uh, from, from Julie. And I wanted to like, Ask Julie if she could share that with the group overall again. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Um, yeah. So we're we're kind of trying to find our highlights and what uh, what we can use to hype us up. And the first thing I thought of was the fact that um, in my three decades of uh, existing on this planet, I still don't know how to read an analog clock. Um, it's it's a struggle. Uh, luckily, it's not something I encounter every day. Uh, but then Colin also had a, a similar confession, which I found equally as hilarious <laughs> yeah it's it was it's very timely because we just switched our 
we just switched our car clock jamie um my partner she uh she only works in 24 hour time and we just switched our car clock and i was like jamie i can't read that <laughs> <laughs> I, I i cannot read 24 hour time period and uh yeah i live in quebec canada and that is all they use essentially um which is the bane of my existence at the moment so yeah <laughs> And then, and then for, for me, I just, you know, as a point of empathy and just total realism, I, I have a super hard time between left and right. Um, so, you know, trying to get from one point to another um, or giving directions is just an utter fiasco for me. Um, so I, with, with that being said, I think we, we've all put forward some basic confessions about, uh, you know, not necessarily our strongest suits, but uh, at the same time, <laughs> at least we've got some serious uh, ops chops between all of us. And though we don't necessarily know how we ended up getting here today or on time for that matter, um, <laughs> at, at least uh, you know we're, we're interested to hear about uh, your respective journeys and how uh, that actually transpired and how you came to be in your current roles, Colin on the demand side and Julie, uh, you know, in analytics, and specifically how you came through uh, your ops experience, and if you could share some of that uh, with us today. So either either one of you, Julie, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can shoot. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so I'm the head of analytics at Clearbit. I started my career as a marketing generalist, um, and then found that maybe that creative element of marketing wasn't my strong suit so i moved over more into the ops side and my you know my second role was mostly ops as splash analytics and as i continued through my career that splash became larger in analytics and um kind of paired off nicely with the operations and my role at clearbit although it's uh, analytics only in title i definitely handle a lot of the marketing ops roles uh behind the scenes awesome yeah, um, I, I actually started in software development. I was a, a software engineer and actually dropped out of university um, to take a, an en engineering role. Uh, did a failed startup, which is cool. Uh, that's fine. And then somehow transitioned into basically doing um, like website analytics, uh, uh, consulting specifically, and just started to take jobs and roles that kind of grew more away from the analytics and more towards like the performance and the operations of like the entire marketing department. Um, ended up running, you know, a HubSpot instance for two years um, at my last job. And now I'm here and Julie and I kind of split off um, parts of demand or parts of uh, marketing ops and um, yeah, head up, head up demand here. So. Oh, super cool. So uh, I know that, uh, you know, you both have the ops journey in common. You also both are Canadians. Um, is which is very cool. Um, we we were discussing earlier uh, just kind of the the deep uh, connection between uh, Canada and the overall like marketing operations and marketing automation like scene and all of the technologies that have actually come out of there. You know, Eloqua, Radiant Six, uh, those those tools, and you know, kind of where they've gone. You know, to SFDC, Oracle, etc. Um, but yeah, super cool. And, and I think the, the next thing that we wanted to hear from the two of you is how you take those operations functions in the marketing sphere and how do you split them between the two of you 
uh, at a more granular level? And how did how do you find that the dynamic works between demand and analytics there at Clearbit? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so there's actually a third member of kind of our marketing ops triangle that helps with a lot of the the tasks. Um, so Colin and I kind of work very it it, it kind of happened magically. Um, it, it, there's yeah. no written role of where Colin starts and I end. Um, mm -hmm. We have a, a lot of overlapping skills. Uh, we tend to well, we meet once a week. We look at you know we look at what the task is. It will be very clear who who can kind of take it over. Um, if it falls right in the middle, it's whoever has less on their plate. Um, and I think for for now, um, we're lucky that the three of us that work in the marketing ops functions in Clearbit have a very clear line of communication. Um, you know, we all know about eighty percent of what's happening in our marketing ops. Mm -hmm space so it's we've got a pretty good idea i don't think any one of us has the 100 percent view because we don't have someone specifically for that role but we do kind of communicate where um, my knowledge falls short and collins can pick up that slack and he can answer those questions uh, where i may not know exactly what's going on very cool yeah and then i think like as i've been here at clearbit for about a year and so just as we've worked together like you know we've we've started to take some partitioning in in roles and responsibilities so like as an example i've been working mostly with our lead routing and like our, our like the way that our that our leads get into our crm and salesforce um and then you know julie's working more on the kind of like engagement analytics pieces um you know how how folks are engaging with us etc so it's been it's been a very natural progression in terms of split um yeah in, in responsibility which is really cool no, oh, fantastic. Uh, it it I'm wondering, you know, if, if you know there is this shared responsibility, and of course, like the teamwork, and you know, going back to our our earlier mention of synergy, definitely uh, being being in full effect there. I I think that at times, of course, you know, emotions can run high, um, especially you know with with things being as they are, and the crazy requests that. Uh, ops people can get from time to time um, and you sharing that that role and responsibility um, super interested to hear from both of you and you know we can get into the dirt and i think that's that's why uh the, the drama is uh, what people are looking for so um you know what what are some of the things that really piss you off about uh marketing ops colin um, <laughs> i mean we talked about this earlier like I think it's the like the cue of half thought or half baked like requests um, that are, are really painful and like realizing how to prioritize those because you know it came from somewhere so you want to give it your full effort and your full thought but um yeah just it's better at clear bit but in a past life boy wow horrible we didn't we didn't have a good process for requests and they just out of the blue from all different leaders across the GTM org. Uh, on like changes to make or things that they wanted to do and you're like hold on like we're not we're not changing that field right now like it, that's stable and like no no <laughs> and like why do you even want to do that thing you know i think that's yeah that's probably my biggest pet peeve yeah absolutely they just yeah yeah no please julie go ahead yeah i would say probably it's one of the more stressful roles in um in the marketing department because when things break 
you immediately mm -hmm. are, you have your hand in every single task or every single project that's out marketing ops plays a really important role in that. And so I think that it's very, very stressful for, uh, you know, that this is broken, your heart rate goes up. And uh, I think it, it, ClearBet, it definitely has, because there's three of us handling it, we have a teammate to kind of triage it and work through it and try and sort it. Um, in past lives, when you're the only person, um, you're up at 4am trying to figure out how to make this work. And it's high stress underappreciated as well, because it's not pretty, it's not um, necessarily the money maker of the marketing department, uh, the goal scorer, but uh, it's kind of has all the foundational work that's required without a lot of the credit or the uh, yeah. the glory. No, absolutely. Now the uh, the uh, you know in, in terms of of gaining that glory that that glory and also like you know working with the desires of the overall GTM org. Um, I think one thing that that we wanted to focus on today is, uh, you know, just just in terms of uh, just to flip it on its head, look at, you know, wrong answers only. Um, what what would be some of the ways that you, uh, you know, should uh, should actually go about building a target account list? Uh, right. Because it's it's so funny that that aspect of interaction and process between the GTM organization and the ops role and the, the additional roles and responsibilities of uh, demand and analytics uh, as you find yourselves in now, I just think, you know, the, the biggest thing that we see is, you know, making sure we can go to market in an organized fashion and, uh, and how, how, what would be some of the things not to do? in uh in approaching that i have a good answer for this one um and i'm not going to name companies uh or name names uh but i have in the past experienced um gut feel as a qualifying criteria for for your account list or cool factor um you know like how how cool is this brand uh how cool is this company um which is just like the worst experience for someone who's trying to like pull an automated list in any fashion or like create a segment or an audience in, in a different tool so people can work out of it. Like there's just no way to do it. You have to make, I mean, one, you have to manually go through it, but then two, like everyone's biased. So it's always going to be different. Whoever's doing it. Yeah. Just the, the pain. Yeah, absolutely. Now the, uh, Julie, Julie, any thoughts on, on that? I mean, Colin has the best answer for this. Mine is a lot more, um, you know, not talking to the sales team about, you know, their actual on the ground experience, way less fun than cool, but it's just, you know, sales knows it best, knows who works best. And like the data, especially like someone in analytics, the data can tell me one thing, but then when you talk to sales, they're like, no, like good for you that you figured that out, but that's not our experience. And so it's that you have to have that conversation with the sales team about what your findings present before you go ahead and make that whole list. Yeah. Something we actually did um, together with, with one of our like top AEs uh, was like sit down with them. They shared their screen and we gave them a list of target accounts and Julie, I, I say we, but Julie did this. <laughs> we, they got a list of target accounts and like we watched them walk through and qualify. That, that account, whether or not they would be like even willing to reach out or talk to them, um, which was a hugely valuable 
learning experience, honestly. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, that, that actually uh, reminds me of uh, something I saw from Gong, actually, where they were talking about the, the somebody on the product team at Gong was saying that, you know, it's super valuable for them to spend time just in sales calls, you know, in, in the interactions that individual AEs, SDRs, et cetera, have to actually undertake. Um, you know, both from a systems perspective and that process, but then yeah. also with dealing with the customer themselves. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking to the demand side, just for like a hot minute on that, yeah. like I try and listen, we use chorus, but I try and listen to chorus calls once or twice a week, at least, um, especially with, you know, like those first disco calls that AEs are on, uh, hugely valuable, crazy insights out of it. So definitely recommend if anyone's in the demand or like the marketing side of the house. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Awesome tools to leverage. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure, make sure you spend time with sales. It's like, <laughs> like it's, it's funny because we've had the conversation sometimes where, where, you know, on the marketing ops side, that, that relationship can be contentious at times, but then also, mm -hmm it's super, super valuable to make sure that you're continuously reaching out and building that bridge. Um, again, I mean, it might be getting slightly hackneyed, but yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, awesome. I, you know, I, I think um, on, on that topic though of working with sales and also, you know, making sure that, um, you know, your target account lists match your ICP, but also match those qualification criteria that are directly thought about by the sales organization. Um, I think it brings us to the, the point of, you know, ABM in general, um, also outbound versus inbound. Um, and there seems to be, you know, from some of the conversations that I have with customers here at Macudu that, Sometimes there's a perception that you either need to be doing all outbound or all inbound, or you're one type of marketing organization or another, when really, I mean, especially in, in product-based companies, I mean, you of course have, you know, potential product-led growth motions. You have, of course, the channel motion. There's, there's so many different funnels, right? Mm -hmm. um, why do you think it is that that people have the idea a lot of the time that you have to be doing all outbound or all inbound? Um, it's either one or the other, um, or you kind of just you know throw one off and go after the other, you know, depending on uh, certain conditions within the market. Julie, do you want me to take this one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I personally think it's it's like a a problem with focus. Uh, in a lot of organizations. And it's really that they just let their, like the pendulum swing back and forth between the two. Um, so they're like all in on one and then, you know, next quarter they're all in on another. And then six months later, they're all in on inbound, uh, inbound again, outbound, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just goes back and forth and you just have to be cognizant that like both are important and, and you have to be prioritizing both and incrementally like increasing. Um, you don't have to do everything all at once. You You really just need to be constantly increasing um what you're doing and, and being more efficient so I, I think that's the biggest point um when it comes to the two 
Uh, and, you know, I've definitely seen that in past lives, um, like past roles where the swing's gone back and forth and back and forth. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Julie, yeah, and I think yeah. we're we're in the confessional, so it's an it's an okay time to admit that it's clear, but we don't have it figured out. I mean, we're mm -hmm. definitely trying to sort how do you do inbound and outbound at the same time, and we've had some start and stops on the outbound motion that haven't worked for us, and we've tried external. You know, a year ago we tried external consultants; it just didn't give us the results we were expecting. We've tried it using our kind of inbound sales team to handle it. It again. We are, we're still learning that. Um, I think the one thing is to fail fast um, and like really monitor those results and, and preface them as this is us learning um, so that it's not that outbound is bad or we, we shouldn't be doing outbound. It's like we're learning how to do these things um, and we continue to try um, and we can maybe update in six months and see how this this current motion that we're trying is and, and maybe this third time's a charm. But yeah, we're, we're still learning ourselves how to do both. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Now the, uh, I think that uh, brings the thought of, uh, you know, exactly how to manage campaigns and, and effectively the attribution or relative attribution between those those motions, right? I mean, it, it's uh, it's an interesting challenge and in, uh, making sure that you know of course you're you're able to see visibility in terms of the effectiveness of not only the overall motions but the specific campaigns themselves and I think that uh, you know in in terms of the way that things are structured at Clearbit um, and you know sharing responsibilities for ops uh, across the team what are uh, you know who who actually ends up like creating campaigns, managing the campaign flow at a systemic level, not necessarily at, you know, of course, a creative level. And, you know, Colin, I'm sure that that, you know, falls largely to you and your team. But, you know, in terms of managing uh, just tracking systems, UTMs, like all of that stuff that, that goes into it, um, and also the data architecture as well, I, I think uh, would love to hear about, you know, how, how you've addressed that at Clearbit. Julie's favorite topic. Yeah, uh, I, I'll let you handle the kind of campaign creation piece of that, and then I can touch on the data side of that. Sure. Yeah, with campaign creation between, like inbound, it's it's on the marketing team, right? It's on demand uh, and content um, and design and engineer. Honestly, everyone on our marketing team um, really, really has an input in everything we do. Um, and then on the outbound team, like like Julie said, we're really just getting off the ground. So we we have um, started working with a, a consultancy that is helping us like start our internal um, internal outbound team. And they're doing a lot of the kind of campaign setup. Um, they call them plays. Um, and they're really focusing on that. And then we're supporting them as much as we can through you know our available content, our our like learnings on the marketing side through doing you know more scaled inbound work. Um, but yeah, they're they're mostly managing that. Um, yeah, and enjoy yeah. the process. Yeah, I mean, on the the tracking the inbound versus outbound, that's a that's not a problem we've yet to solve, um, given that it's just sort of a new motion for us. But we've built our own in-house attribution model um, that kind of takes a million different sources in one, and we're we do outbound on contacts and inbound on leads, which I'm sure people will have some opinions on. Um, so there's 
there's a bit of a uh, delineation there. You know, it, there's a quick way to kind of sort inbound versus outbound at a very high level. Um, and then from the attribution and the impact of outbound, um, you know, I imagine it will just go into our whole attribution model because it at the, you know, we are just one company uh, and like those are different strategies and essentially different channels that we will be tracking against and watching as someone goes through um, kind of their journey through us. So uh, my answer is the the data structure and the way that we'll be tracking is probably similar to inbound and that we'll be using a combo of like DBT to transform and make sure that those outbound events are all tracked similar to our inbound events and then push it back into our, our Salesforce via census. Nice. Very cool. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned a couple of tools there and I think this is an interesting point is that I see both of you have technical chops that maybe, uh, five to 10 years ago were not necessarily something that people were bringing directly to the marketing it, I would say marketing overall, and then also like the marketing ops role as well, um, because it was so platform-based exclusively, right? And now, of course, you've got various tools, almost like a microservices approach, um, you know, and then also like building like different components within the stack and lacing them together. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm super interested to hear from you, like just in terms of your career path and the learnings that you've had, how, like, what are, what are some of the skills that you think are maybe the most relevant or the things that have been able to give you the ability to create maximum value, um, as you've, you've moved through your careers? It's a really good question. Um, I can start, um, I think mine came from, so I had zero technical training when I started, I started as marketing generalist um, and learned all of the software. And like you said, it was platform based. And as long as you knew how to work Salesforce and a Marketo and an Eloqua, like you could, you could do marketing ops. And I think the problem came for me was a lot of the data that I wanted to make the campaigns that much better were held like kind of hidden behind engineering and engineering's primary focus wasn't helping marketing and that's not to like dish on engineering it, their job is to maintain the product right um and so it came from you know learning sql to kind of query the database to get the the data that i needed out of the tool and do raw exports and then raw like import it in like that's how it started it's just like i just need to know how to get this this one field that no longer that doesn't exist in our tool and so it came from a frustration and the skill, I mean, you say technical jobs, I don't know that I have a ton, I know how to write SQL. And like that's mm -hmm. basically allowed me to do my job and be able to take a whole bunch of data models, mash them together, get some really cool fields um, that we can use in our marketing and personalize, like personalize those campaigns. So um, yeah, I guess if the answer is SQL, that would be the one thing as a marketing off person, if you can learn, I'd say go for it. I think awesome. the the like other just like tack on to SQL though is that you're you're building out that like logic workflow part of your brain, and that really helps in in marketing ops in general, right? Um, just being able to be like process oriented, understand flow of data, leads, whatever it is, um, and SQL one hundred percent like helps you achieve that. Um, 
for me, like, I think I, it's funny because I took the opposite approach to Julie, which I started in a technical role, honestly, like I, well, I was a software developer um, and, you know, learned, learned SQL in school, learned, you know, how to do development, whatever, and did that for, for four years or so, and then started to transition into marketing. And the things that I had to learn were more about like, like, what do you do with the lead? Right. And like, what, like, why do you do it certain ways and how do you segment and all of those things, I think the technical pieces came along with it. Luckily, like understanding workflows and logic and all of those things kind of came naturally because of the development background. But I've spent a lot of time um, books and you can see my shelf over here that like is all marketing books because I, I didn't go to school for it and I've had to learn it, you know, as I go versus like Julie, you know, she's had to learn the technical pieces. Um, so it's just a different path, right? Um, and it's all like a constant state of learning, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's interesting because from, from my perspective, I mean, yeah, went to school for marketing. And then of course, like I almost took like a middle ground where I became like a CRM administrator and mm -hmm. like, you know, went from CRM to marketing automation platforms. So, you know, and, and it's funny because I won't name names, but it was because, you know, you, you had a consultancy come in to kind of do the CRM implementation and they didn't do it right. So you're like, okay, I guess I have to figure this out. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, it actually answers one of our questions in, in the questions tab, uh, which was how to get, get started with the marketing ops role and what are the key skills required to have a successful career growth? I, I think that those are sort of the, the three general ways you could get into it is either from the marketing business side or mm -hmm. from the technical side or from the CRM side. And I, I think that those, but no matter what, you're going to have to learn all of it at one point or another. Yeah. So it, it just depends on your, your individual approach and the opportunities that present themselves. So, yeah. Yeah. I think one, one thing to make sure when you're like thinking about going into a marketing ops role, it's cool to start on one platform and like be really good at it. But really, I think now you need to be platform agnostic. Like you, you need to, you know, be able to jump into Marketo and like figure it out very quickly or, or own the HubSpot instance and be able to use it. Um, so don't, I'll, I'll say like, don't stick to one platform only. Although honestly, if you did Salesforce only, you'd probably be okay. Because um, <laughs> it's used everywhere, um, yeah. period. Well, so, not everywhere, but most places. <laughs> most places. <laughs> most places. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's totally true. I, I've actually found myself, I mean, starting at the at the super enterprise side, like going, like working in Eloqua, then moving to Marketo and actually now like working with a number of customers who are on HubSpot. And, you know, regardless, it's like each of the tools have their own strengths and their own weakness weaknesses. So it's important to, you know, yeah, absolutely have a perspective. And I think probably that leads to a point, Julie, and you could probably speak to this a little bit more is just data architecture overall, understanding the object nature of databases and the way in which those data flows and workflows present themselves like as you move through the the marketing data stack 
Yeah, I mean, um, I think anyone who's on this call is probably really familiar with the lead to contact to account and like understanding the implications of the many to many, one to many, like, you know, one of the, the big things that we have to understand, even when we're kind of sending usage to send out customer notifications is like one user can be on many accounts and like how do you set that up and how do you structure it so that we're sending the right information to the right account to the right person and those are everyday problems that you have to think through and you have to understand and um yeah it's it's a question that every time i set up a new data field you have, you have to really think through okay who does this belong to um, how is it going to be used? And like, is there is there any way that this is like like what's the relationship of this data point to the like the two adjoining uh, objects? Yeah, and I mean especially because you're going to have to write help text for that field. So I mean, you know, right, right. <laughs> that, that is what you're exactly, exactly. That's what that is what you're you're supposed supposed to do. <laughs> um. Awesome, awesome. So cool. Um, you know, in in terms of um, in terms of stakeholders, uh, we actually have a really interesting question that relates. There is, you know, outside of the marketing uh, organization, like who are you working with the most? I mean, who are the primary primary stakeholders that you find yourself interfacing with? You know, is it what's the the and what is the biggest gap potentially between the marketing team and other parts of the organization? Yeah, this is an interesting question. Um, I think because my role is not marketing ops only, mm -hmm. there is a, um, a crossover, pretty much everyone in the company is someone that yeah. needs data, right? Um, and I think marketing ops, uh, in most like their job is to get data to the right places. So I think that it, there is enough crossover. Um, but yeah, I mean, product needs data for their product notifications, for their product usage. The The customer success team needs data in Salesforce so they can better communicate, they can better understand what's going on, they need to get the email that have been sent so they know exactly all the communication. So I, it's not a great answer, but everyone, I mean, <laughs> like everyone is is kind of a stakeholder of the data that, that we're producing. Yeah. And then on the demand side, like, I think what's interesting is that because we don't have like marketing ops specifically, um, you know, I, I'm working very closely with our sales team um, and like empathize on the demand end so that we can accomplish marketing ops work um, with that empathy, like in mind. Right. So we already have very open lines of communication. We already, you know, talk weekly about not only demand, but then we can speak about like the ops pieces as well. Um, so that's, that's actually extremely valuable, uh, and definitely like a, a plus to having, you know, like these split up, um, yeah, sort of responsibilities across a bunch of folks on our team. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, being able to, to speak to the different perspectives involved is, is super critical. Um, I, I, that actually, I, I love the fact that the questions are coming, you know, it, it, from our audience actually, and they, they align really well. Um, this last one is actually around um, what, are, what are some of the best ways you've seen specifically to drive alignment between sales and marketing teams? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is use the same KPIs, right? Yeah. Or like drive towards the same goal. Um, that That's definitely it. And then uh, like something that we do 
now decently well at Clearbit and even in the past, like maybe um, I, I haven't done it as well, is sales, like the sales managers and like the VP, they really, like we walk them through what we're doing on marketing. They really get it, right? Like they understand what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, we we also hear stories from them so we can empathize and, and it, it's that like, it's that trust and relationship that you need to build too. It's not just like about the KPIs and about the workflows and even not even about delivering like the quality leads that they need. It's also about the relationship, right? And you have to take that into account for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Julie, thoughts there? Yeah, I don't have much to add on that. I think, uh, I think one of the things I've seen work well here that I haven't seen work as well in other companies is, is really valuing sales as input and not just sitting there taking it down and writing it down and going, thanks so much. It's actually incorporating it into the next revision um, that builds the trust that like they are so important in the process and like their feedback needs, like we need it. And that kind of builds that, that, that trust there. Absolutely. And actually, I will speak to that just having purchased Clearbit and managed the contracts at, at a couple of different roles. I, I mean, your sales and, and customer success orgs are top notch. And some of my my favorite people I've done business with are members of those teams or have been members of those <laughs> teams at times. So it's very cool. It's really uh, nice to awesome. hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but partners aside, you know, it's like I'm, I'm like that was that was uh, personal there. So I wanted to call that out. Um, uh, right on, right on. So um, you know, I, I think that also speaks to the point of you know when it, I I actually wanted to call out too is um, one thing that you know in terms of feedback and collaboration between marketing and sales. Um, one thing that I've seen work really well, just to answer this question from from another perspective is making sure that you have regular cadence on those meetings. It's not just like, okay, cool, like ad hoc, like casual interaction. It's like, let's formalize that process. Let's make sure that you not only bring that empathy, but you also bring enough structure to the conversation so that you are able to like continuously review and make sure that those exact points of feedback are, are in place. So like great example is like, um, making sure that there's somebody on the marketing team who is responsible to go speak with your SDRs or your AEs every couple of weeks to review rejection patterns in, you know, MQLs or, you know, targeted accounts, you know, well, Hey, you said this was qualified. We don't see it exactly meeting that, that standard. Well, why? That's great. Great feedback. Let's make sure that that's formalized. And then you can take that back and fold it into your qualification process. Yeah, it's funny. This is, is super timely because um, we have a we have a sales and marketing sync um, that myself and our VP of marketing and then the VP of, of sales and the sales manager and um, SDR manager go to. And honestly, for like the past while, it's mostly been like shoot the shit, I guess, like brainstorm. Um, and, and we just talked about this week, like, we, we should have some of those more formal patterns to make sure that we, we're getting everything across and like nothing slips through the cracks. Um, but still like, again, speaking back to, you know, have the camaraderie, build the trust, um, having that kind of like those shoot the shit moments are actually really good. Um, and honestly, like a great, one of the best meetings uh, that I go to during the week. So um, 
yeah, it, it, it's good to have that kind of, of uh, interaction as well. No, absolutely. The, the structure creates maybe the impetus. And then of course, like you can freestyle it from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very cool. Julie, additional thoughts from your side there? No, Colin covered everything I was thinking, except um, the favorite meeting. You you were excluding the meeting that we have every week, right? Oh, so, one of okay. one okay. of many. Okay. okay, okay, one of many. I have many favorite meetings, um, <laughs> all of them. Uh, but I love every single meeting. <laughs> Said no one ever. No, no, uh, okay. Too much Zoom. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Uh, just a, a quick productivity tip on that. I, I am going to actually also like tip my hand a little bit because what I have a tendency to do is on meetings, um, every Thursday night, if I don't have meetings lined up for the, for the next week, I actually go through the remainder of my calendar and just block all the time as heads down work. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I highly recommend it because otherwise you get a flurry of invitations on like Friday and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I had time to do work next week. Uh, mm. That's not happening anymore. <laughs> Smart. Awesome. Now everybody knows. So they'll be like, well, I'm just going to send Drew invites for whenever I want. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, bring it on. It's all good. Um, cool. Uh, I think one thing that uh, I did see in the, in the questions was, uh, in terms of identifying, it's going back to our, our, one of our first questions around target account lists. And, uh, we have the question of, you know, who is identifying the target account list? And I think we've, we've talked about the fact that again, it's a collaborative process, but maybe we can walk through like maybe what that looks like at, at Clearbit in reality, like how you go back and forth and maybe like, where are the checks and balances in that? Yeah, I mean, if we want a, a real kind of step by step, the way that that we've approached it is, sales gives us their hypothesis of who they want to go after. Um, I go into our Clearbit database and you know grab that list, and then we kind of go against our existing kind of Salesforce database and remove anybody that we're currently working, and then we present it to sales. And sales, you know, the first couple around sales went through and was like. No, 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 no. And which is where we got to the point of like, okay, we're going to sit down and watch you go no. So we understand why you're saying no. Because, you know, I tried not to take it personally, but, you know, I took it a little personally. I, I, I put effort into this list. So um, it's very collaborative. We let sales kind of dictate how to start it. We do the, the work of grabbing it and then we get their feedback. And I'd say we're at a point now where we're closer. Um, you're never going to. Mm -hmm. The, the data cleanup of it is never going to be 100% and sales is always going to find things that we just can't grab data on. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of back and forth, a lot of collaboration. I should know this, but are we doing the list upload? Uh, we've actually list? handed that off to the, con the consultants who are handling okay. that, but yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the info. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> a little bit of work, a little bit of work in every call, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check that off the list. You're not just shooting the shit. It's all good. <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, I, I think uh, 
that also speaks to you know, what I heard there is like, well, you know, we're not managing it directly, but we're managing the people who are managing it. So um, in, in terms of that, uh, I think from your experiences, um, just to loop it back around, what are some of the pros and cons um, that you've seen in terms of having a dedicated uh, marketing ops role versus having it split up? I know that we've talked a lot about the advantages of having it split up. Are there downsides to that that you've you've seen? Uh, yeah. Um, so you know, there's three of us that own it, but no one owns it. Uh, so yeah. when there's a problem, it's really it's really easy to ignore that email because there's two other people and um, you know the the third person is on this call and he'll probably he's probably mad at me because I've been ignoring emails about a, a marketing house problem <laughs> and so it's like it's easy because you're not the only person <laughs> um, and I'm so sorry Brad uh, yeah so it's it allows you know there needs to be that kind of one owner that that owns it all and and we don't have that uh, which means certain problems can take longer to get dealt with. Mm -hmm. And then even then, like, I think the things that we do tackle are things that are like huge pains, like the big, big pains. Right. Um, but not having someone who's like solely focused, they, they could actually dig in mm -hmm. and like truly understand what's going on or even like develop a what's next, right? Like some type of timeline, um, or, or yeah, like process to, making change because we honestly like most of what we do is fight fires and that's most of ops anyway but like i think because we don't have a dedicated person we really are like firefighters for the most part um and not like you know yeah figuring out how to not not have those happen um yeah i, I think that's definitely a challenge for sure and yeah. I'd probably add on to that is like I mentioned in the beginning, we each know about 80% of it. There's not one person that knows 100%. Um, yeah. So yeah. the impact of a change is not fully known. So if I push a new field or change a field or change a field type, like I don't know everywhere it's being used. Um, I don't have my handle on that. And I'm probably most marketing ops professionals don't because people create mm -hmm. things using the admin um, login and do it anyways. But uh, <laughs> the, there's no one like there's there's three of us that know eighty percent of it. And uh, yeah. yeah. On on just like another note too, we're we're doing marketing ops. Like we have a rev revops organization. We have Salesforce admins, and they make changes too. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and like not having someone who's dedicated, like talking and always communicating with that that part of the organization, also can create issues where like I there's been times where they've turned fields off. They've deactivated fields and yeah. they're like, we use that for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like, yeah. Like all of our emails are based off that field. <laughs> Back on, please. Like... And they didn't, they didn't just like, you know, they hard deleted the field too. So all the data is gone as well. Right. Like it's not just like trash archive. Like you're like, oh, okay, great. Like <laughs> we were merging all of that information. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, I I was joking around in my promotional posts on LinkedIn, like saying that you know we we would have to break dance fight for the rights to the drone, but I mean I think there's probably some break dance fighting that that takes place uh, in terms of you know figuring out who who gets to fight that fire. So it's like oh really? Like I think my moves are better than yours. So like you know. Like, <laughs> 
I would say we probably all feel it's our responsibility and more often than not, we jump in than like yeah. step back. Um, of course. Yeah. It, depending on the week, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> it is depending on the week. <laughs> Hashtag marketing ops confessions. <laughs> from my heart, from my heart, that's how I feel. But from my calendar, maybe not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just, just start blocking out those times, man. It's okay. Just you, use that hack. It'll be, it'll be. I got to use it. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Um, I think, uh, Let's see, I think there's one more question that we had from the audience, specifically um, in terms of just getting started in marketing ops and also just maybe the, we can say at large, the more technical aspects of marketing in general, um, what would be like probably like a good first couple of steps for people to take from your perspective? There's a million answers to this. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, from my experience, uh, I've always worked in smaller companies. And so the ability to kind of do 5% billing manager, 5% Salesforce, mm -hmm. and 5% marketing ops um, is really easy because that means that someone doesn't need to be hired for that dedicated role. Um, so if you are in a smaller company, it's pretty much just raising your hand and saying you'll do it. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. in my experience, is that's enough to get you started. In the larger organizations, I don't know that I have a great answer. Um, I'm probably getting some accredited, like Salesforce admin training uh, is usually a good way to start because that's, that's what everyone recognizes as, as a skill that's necessary to at least know how to navigate um, the beast. Yeah, yeah. the beast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the beast that is Salesforce. Yeah. yeah. I have very yeah. close friends who are Salesforce AEs. They're going to be like, you know, pinging me after this and being like, really, bro? Really? Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Super powerful. Super powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there Absolutely. you go. Exactly. Can do everything. <laughs> no. No. I think, uh, yeah. I, Colin, please. I, yeah, I just want to echo that because I've also been in small, smaller companies, like, you know, 100-ish people and really been the, the like technical marketer on the team. Um, in past lives. And of course, Clearbit is much different because most of us are technical. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like getting into that position where you you can just like show that you can be relied on to, to take some stuff over. And if you are working at a small org, even if you do get like the HubSpot certificate, um, that just shows some initiative, right? In terms of like you wanting to take some work. So you can definitely go ahead and like do that sort of thing. And, and that, mm -hmm. that will help. No, absolutely. It's, it is interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I've worked at, at uh, HashiCorp and being there most recently before I came to Magkudu, we were scaling like crazy. And I think, you know, when, when I left, we were, you know, well over a thousand people. And I, I think the, the point there is, I'm just going to say like willingness does go a really long way. So if you're willing and you will take the time and invest that. Um, actually, one of the greatest mentoring points that I ever received from a manager was saying, you know, if, if you want to get promoted or you want to expand your role, just go do it. Yeah. You know, so that, you know, and, and to a certain degree, we're not saying like, okay, ignore process or like ask for forgiveness, you know, or things like mm -hmm. that. It's, it's really more about 
volunteer, you know, yeah. just raise your hand, get in there and find out, you know, what is truly wanted and needed from your organization. And it's super appreciated because otherwise people are, are strapped. We're strapped for time. We're strapped for resources. And if you want to help that, that's what makes all of us like feel super, super appreciative anyway. So yeah, I, I can guarantee that your manager is like, how can I get this thing off my plate? And if you volunteer for it, they're going to be happy. Right. Um, for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so cool team. I think the last question I had for the two of you is, uh, almost the, uh, the fight club power animal, uh, question, which is, you know, if, if you were to say like your role and how you relate to the organization overall, um, how would you like that to be viewed by marketing, sales, et cetera? What would that be? This was said to me and I really liked it. Um, so I'm going to keep it, uh, was a multiplier. So it's like my mm. work helps like speed up people's ability to answer questions, to get things done. And so, you know, I can do one thing and four people can take from that and, and build on that. And I liked it. So I'm keeping it. <laughs> So that's a really good one. And yeah, um, I, I honestly don't have take a good it. answer. I kind of want to take it. Like, it's really you good. Take it. <laughs> Specifically right. to like the ops, the ops piece of the role. Like, I think you have to remember most of your, your end users are internal folks. So you're really just helping them be more productive and really make the right decisions. So for ops, that's like a perfect, yeah, perfect description. Um, totally agree. Yeah, super cool. Well, thank you. Thank you, team. Really appreciate the time you spent with us today. I, I've had a ton of fun just, you know, talking, you know, seriously, and uh, also just, you know, like you said, you know, shooting the shit. So uh, super appreciated. I love the fact that we got to drop, you know, the, uh, the SH bomb, like, at least like six times in this call, um, you know, which is which is what confession is about. So, you know, being able to just exactly. be real. So uh, thank you both so much. Um, uh, what I will do is just take a quick moment to uh, hype our next session, which is uh, coming up very shortly uh, on March 25th. Uh, we have uh, Daniel Murray coming in from uh, Service Titan and uh, Hannah is going to be speaking with him uh, about uh, ops and uh, of course, getting those juicy confessions and drama uh, circulated amongst the team. But uh, Julie, Colin, thank you so much for the time. And uh, it's really been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to chatting again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having us.